بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن الشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. Okay, this is the second lesson on the first hadith of Al-Arba'een Al-Nawawiyya and Al-Nawawi's 40 hadith and this is the explanation of Sheikh Salih Al-Sheikh Al-Nawawiyya so we finished last week uh, discussing uh, that the niya itself, that the niya that is being referred to in this hadith, that this niya itself is of two types. First of all, the niya that is in relation to the act of worship itself, in the sense that this niya helps to distinguish one act of worship from another act of worship. So for example, or an act of worship from something that isn't an act of worship. So for example, a person might take a ghusl, and it's just a normal ghusl. It's not because of janaba or for any other reason. And another person takes a ghusl for the purpose of uh, removing himself from janaba. And the difference between the two is that in the latter, in the second, uh, the actual niyyah that a person has distinguishes between the act of worship that isn't an ibadah and the act of worship that is an ibadah. And likewise, the niyyah also distinguishes between the actions of worship. So, for example, a person praying zuhr and a person praying asr, then the prayers are basically identical. But when a person prays zuhr, then in his, his niyyah, his intent is to fulfill the obligation of uh, the Dhuhr uh, prayer. So this is the first type of niyyah, the niyyah that is in relation to the acts of worship. And the second type of niyyah, or the second aspect, is in relation to the one being worshipped, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what we call ikhlas, when we speak of the purity of the heart or the sincerity of the heart, ikhlasul niyyah, you're purifying the intention, ikhlasul amal lillahi, uh, purifying the, 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 the making one's actions purely and sincerely for Allah alone, and this is you know this this is what we commonly speak of in a relation to the affairs of Tawheed, Tawheed, and so on and so forth. So this is what is covered. So both of these types of niyyah are covered uh, in this hadith when we when the, in the hadith when it states in the hadith in niyyat, then. It comprises both of these two understandings of uh, niya. So this uh, brings us to uh, today's lesson then, and the author, the explainer, Sheikh Salih Al Sheikh, in his commentary of the hadith, he continues. Assalamu alaikum. So he continues, and. He then says, he then speaks of the next part of the hadith, which is the saying of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئِمْ مَا نَوَى That indeed for every man is whatever he intends. And again, the Shaykh says that this again is a hasar, which means that it's 
it's a, a kind of a restriction in the sense that every single man uh, in relation to the reward that he receives for his action then that reward is determined in a is, is, is in accordance with what he intended by his action so if he for example intended by his action that he intended to seek Allah and to seek the hereafter so it means that his action was purely for Allah uh, the mighty and majestic and he was seeking the face of Allah then his action is is righteous and his reward will be in accordance with that and if his action was for the world then his action is corrupt because it was for the world and then the shaykh says that this is uh, this meaning has come re regarding ikhlas we find it in many verses in the quran and the shaykh gives an example he says allah the mighty majestic he says regarding making the deen purely and sincerely for allah alone so he says wama umiru illa liya'budu allah mukhlisina lahu ad-din so this means uh, that, that, that the deen that this religion is something that it, it, it occurs when a, when a person's niyyah or when a person's intention is sincere and, and, and correct. And likewise, in another verse, uh, this verse is, is Surah Al-Bayyana, the 95th Surah, verse 5. And in another verse in the Quran, Allah says, That indeed to Allah belongs the pure, sincere religion. Surah Zumar, Surah 39, verse 3. So there are many, there are verses like this, and there are many, sorry, the Shaykh says there are many ahadith likewise, which explain this meaning of the action being purely for Allah alone, and making it sincerely for Allah alone. And an example that the Shaykh gives of such a hadith is the well-known hadith that's reported in Sahih Muslim, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a hadith Qudsi, in which he says, أَنَا أَغْنَى الشُّرَكَاءِ عَنِ الشِّرْكِ مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا أَشْرَكَ فِيهِ مَعِي غَيْرِ تَرَقْتُهُ وَشِرْكَهُ That I am, that the meaning of this hadith is that I am so self-sufficient, so Allah says, I am so self-sufficient that I am not in need of having any partners. Thus anyone who does an action and he shares that action for me and for someone besides me, other than, for someone other than me, then I abandon it and, ab uh, and, and, his, and his shirk. And there are different words, there are different uh, wordings of this hadith. In another wording, uh, the Messenger said in this hadith Qudsi, again narrating from Allah, uh, ashraka wa ana minhu bari. That this action is for the one whom he associated as a partner with me, and I am free from it. So, this shows that these proofs, these verses, and this hadith, amongst other, other hadith, this is a proof to show that an action must be purely and sincerely for the sake of Allah, the mighty majestic, in order for it to be accepted, and in order for, the, for a servant to be rewarded for it. So, so now, that, now that this is understood, we now need to uh, be clear about what ways can a person make his intention incorrect or insincere that we need to discuss this issue now because now that we're clear that Allah only accepts an action which is pure and sincere the next issue now is uh, or, or what we've understood so far is any action 
which is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then something else enters into it, comes into that niyyah, then, then this action is baqil. This action is not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah, as we've seen in this hadith Qudsi, uh, He stated that whoever does an action in which He shares or He makes someone a partner, someone besides me, then I will abandon him and his shirk. And in the other hadith, uh, hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَهُوَ لِلَّذِي أَشْرَكْ That this action is for the person whom he associated with me. And you know, so this is the meaning that we get from these ahadith. Now, regarding this issue, that when an action becomes impure, then there are a number of stages at which, the, which this can occur. The first stage can be, for example, before a person even starts out to do an action. Right? To begin with, his niyyah or his intention is corrupt. Or it can be, for example, a person has already started and commenced an action of worship, so he's doing an action of worship, like, for example, the prayer, for example. And during that time, during the time he's performing the action of worship, his niyyah changes. Right? His intention behind the worship, it now changes. Or it can be... Um, Sometimes after the action of worship as well, and uh, sometimes the action, some of it can be for Allah and some of it can be for other than Allah. So these all these different uh, scenarios and situations. So the question now arises. There's a question now. So now that we know that this can occur, there's a question which is raised, which is, what part of these actions are accepted? You know, is, is this action of worship accepted or is it not accepted? Um, you know, so what, 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 what is the, the, the issue, what is the clarification? So the, so the Sheikh says that the scholars in discussing this issue, what they've said is that any righteous action, when a corrupt intention mixes with it, like for example, a riya, like a person doing things to show off, you know, he wants to be, right, his intention is that he wants the people to see him doing a righteous action or he wants the people to hear him you know he wants to be heard of to be spoken of and then this this worship here is baqil it's, it's it's not accepted at all and and the sheikh gives an example like he you know he uh, he prayed and even before he wanted to pray his prayer was his prayer was basically for the reason that he wants to be seen by so and so that he's actually praying, right? Before he even begins the prayer, that's that's his intention behind the prayer. This is this is Martin. This uh, and his prayer is false, not accepted. And in doing this, he is committing shirk um, in accordance with the, the Sheikh brings uh, hadith. Uh, whoever prays. In order to be seen, then he's committed shirk. Whoever fasts, in order to be seen, then he's committed shirk. Whoever gives charity, in order to be seen, then he's committed uh, shirk. And uh, the author brings this hadith, doesn't uh, uh, make a reference to its, uh, uh, or to its reference, but he says, <coughs> comments after this, and he says that so therefore, when a person, you know, he, he starts out to, to make the prayer with this intention, then you know uh, this this is this is this is incorrect and, and false and then the sheikh says 
there's also a situation where a Muslim, I mean, it's not conceivable that a Muslim, that in all of his actions, in every single action that he does, that he does it for Riyadh. He says this is not imaginable because no Muslim, you know, no Muslim would 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 be like this. Rather, what we find is that this riyadh, the showing off, only occurs in some of the actions of a of a Muslim. So either it occurs, you know, at the before he does the action, or it occurs during the action itself. And it's not conceivable or imaginable that we find a Muslim who, in every single of his actions, he's doing them just for you know other than Allah. And Sheikh says, however. This type of riyah, this type of like showing off, or when a person person does these actions, uh, you know, in every single of his actions, this we can't imagine it for a Muslim, but it it, it, it can occur from the kuffar and from the munafikin, from the, the, the non-Muslims and from the, the hypocrites, uh, just as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, descri- describing them, Allah said, "Yura'una nasa, wala yadkuruna Allah illa qalila." Allah describing them that they seek to be seen by the people and they don't remember Allah except little. Surah Nisa, Surah 4, verse 142. And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said regarding the kuffar, Ri'ah an nas. Again, a description uh, seeking to be seen of men, to be, to be seen by men. Um, <coughs> so, Regarding this type then, so what we're discussing now is the first type where a person, even before he does an action, his intention is corrupt. Even before he does, for example, the prayer or anything else, or he gives charity or whatever, before that, his action is incorrect. So regarding this, this action is false. And we find that in relation to a Muslim, it can occur in some actions as opposed to other actions, not in all of his actions. But as for the situation where a person in every single of his actions that he does, all of them are for other than Allah, you know, uh, for other than Allah, then this, it, we can't imagine it happening for a, for a Muslim, uh, where it occurs from the kuffar and from the uh, munafiqeen. So that was the first situation, uh, committing, you know, having a false intention before doing the action. The second situa- situation, <coughs> or the second type, is when a person, for example, he begins an action and then during it at a certain point his intention changes. And this itself is of two, uh, this is like, is two situations exist. There are two situations. <coughs> first of them is, so for this second category there are two situations. The first situation is that he starts the act of worship and his act of worship is sincere, right, initially. And then he begins the act of worship, and then during the act of worship, he nullifies his initial intention. Right, so his initial, initial intention is totally changed and totally nullified. And he then makes his act, action of worship just to be seen. Or, or for, for, you know, he does it for the, for the sake of the creation. So in this situation, the ruling is the same. Right, this action is false, just like in the first category, the action is false. So just like when a person starts out at the beginning, doing his action for other than Allah, it is false. 
then similarly when a person does an action initially and it's for the sake of Allah and then during it at, certain, at some point he changes his intention and he does it you know, completely and now he does it just for the sake of the creation that action is false likewise the ruling is the same because the ibadah, this action of worship has now become corrupt because the person has falsified his intention and he's now made it to the, you know, for, for the creation right, so for example he's praying at the beginning he prayed for the sake of Allah and during the prayer he, he, he's now, his, his intention now changed because he wants to be seen by so and so seen to be praying or whatever it is then this is, this, this is batil so the prayer becomes false that's the first situation but the second situation in the second category is that he begins to beautify his prayer or he increases his prayer so that the people can you know, see him right so either his father will see him or his or a student of knowledge will see him or some senior person in the society will see him or the imam of the masjid will see him you know so instead of for example doing the tasbih for example three times in the ruku he'll increase it and he'll increase the ruku longer than what he what he normally does and so he'll increase it more than what he normally does in order to be seen by this person and so in this situation what happens is that this this additional length or this additional part to the act of worship that he adds in order to be seen by the people then it's that part of it that becomes falsified it's that part that becomes falsified because in that part he was intending to be seen and noticed by other than Allah and this is because his niyyah for that part was for other than Allah because as we see in the hadith Indeed, actions are but by the intentions However, the action itself, the original action itself is something that there, there is, there, there is uh, still righteous because his corrupt intention wasn't in relation to the, to the action as a whole itself Right, so if you follow, if you follow with this, right, his his intention for the worship initially is correct. His intention be, became corrupted in relation to a specific part of the action. Like take for example in the prayer where he began to increase the ruku, for example, or he began to increase the sujood longer, for example. Why? So that the people may notice that his sujood is quite long, or his ruku is quite long. So the part of the action which is corrupted and falsified is just that particular part in which his intention became corrupt but as for the worship as a whole the the asal <coughs> the foundation of the worship then <coughs> the sheikh says that this is still considered to be uh, considered to be to be righteous and then the sheikh uh, says the reason is because that this initial act of worship <coughs> the intention behind it wasn't corrupted um, you know it was only for example, when he, um, you know, when for example he began to uh, increase a part of the prayer, or for example when an imam he increases the recitation, you know, because you know he wants the people to, uh, you know, be aware of his voice, or because you know so and so important person is behind him attending the prayer, so he wants to increase in the length of the recitation or whatever. All these different actions, these these things here. They don't corrupt the 
act of worship as a whole. The only thing that is corrupt is that that specific action that he did that was an addition. That was an addition which he did. For example, he extended it or he made it longer. That part is not acceptable because it's that part whose intention was, was uh, corrupt. And this person who does this, then obviously he falls into shirk. And the shirk is the uh, what we call al-riya, which is the shirk al-askar, which is the minor shirk, which you know, obviously doesn't take a person outside the fold of Islam. And so this is the second situation of the second type, right? So the first type is a person's niyyah is corrupt before the worship itself, right? This worship is unacceptable. Second situation is when a person's niyyah changes during the act of worship. This itself has two situations. First situation is that his, that his intention regarding the whole of the act of worship changes completely. So instead of, for example, giving charity for the sake of Allah, he now changes his intention for giving charity because he wants to be seen by so-and-so. Right? That, that whole action becomes corrupt and false as well, just like in the first situation. And the second situation here of the, of the, of the second category is that he begins, to, you know, he, he amends the action, he changes or he tries to beautify a part of it. Like he increases the prayer, he beautifies his recitation, you know, he makes his ruku longer than what he normally does, or his sujood longer than what he normally does, or whatever. And in relation to that, it's only that part of the action as a whole that is, that is false, uh, even though the, the worship, the asl of the worship, the, 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 the foundation of the worship itself is still acceptable. But nevertheless, he does fall into the shirk, the minor shirk uh, in, in this situation. The third situation, there's actually a third situation in fact, um, there's a third a situation which is <coughs> when a person has completed the action, so he's done, he's done the act of worship, and um, you know, so for example, he did some action for Allah, he might have memorized the Quran for Allah, he might have fasted for the sake of Allah, he might have prayed some nafal prayers for the sake of Allah, all of it being sincere, right? He was sincere. And, but after this, what happened is, after he finished uh, these actions, he found someone is praising him. Someone is praising him. Someone mentioned some good words about him. And then what happens is, when he hears this praise, it pleases him. Right? He, he's pleased by this praise. And in his heart, it's as if he wants to hear more of this praise. So in this situation, what is the, what is the, what is the ruling? Or what is the, the situation? The answer is, the sheikh, or the sheikh says, that this doesn't harm his act of worship that he did. Because the act of worship that he did, he did it sincerely for the sake of Allah. And there was nothing during the action of worship which, was, which involved any shirk or any riya. But rather this only happened after the action had been, completely, had, had been completed. So the sheikh says that this really is something like what, what, what occurs in the hadith. Um, in a hadith that is mentioned that this is like the hastening of the good tiding for a believer it's just something that's hastened uh, meaning that when he hears the people praising him for for example his worship or whatever yet he himself didn't desire that that praise he didn't desire that, that, that uh, praise from the people then in this situation you know that obviously uh, the, his action itself doesn't become 
corrupted or, or nullified because it was initially for the, for the right uh, reason, it was for the sake of Allah, and he completed the action upon that as well. So these then are three uh, situations then. The Shaykh then moves on to discuss another very important principle regarding this issue and this is that likewise, so now we've discussed the um, issues pertaining to the Niyyah, now we need to discuss the different types of actions as well and there are two types of actions that we need to be aware of when we speak about this discussion of the Niyyah. The first type of action is an action where a person doesn't seek anything except for Allah's face. Right? He doesn't there's no other intention, there's no other intention in his heart, you know, that he, he's not looking for any kind of um, you know benefit from the world or anything like that. Rather, these actions are actions that are just purely sought for the sake of Allah, and there's nothing else attached to them. There's no like worldly benefit, there's no worldly reward, sorry, there's no worldly reward. And this, this is actually the majority of the actions of worship. All of the actions of worship, or the majority of the actions of worship are like this, where, you know, there's no other worldly reward which is linked to these actions of worship. <clears throat> That's the first type that we need to be aware of. Second type, are actions of worship for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has specifically mentioned that there is a reward in the world for those actions. Right, there's a worldly reward for those actions. Right, so this is another category now. So for example, when a person keeps the ties of kinship, when he for example keeps relations with his with his relatives and, and you know close family uh, uh, relatives, then in the Sharia we find that there is a, a worldly reward that has been linked to this action. The Messenger وسلم, said Whoever is pleased that his rizq, that his provision should be increased and that his lifespan is, in, is extended, then let him tie the ties of kinship. Let him keep the ties of kinship. Let him keep you know, the family ties, keep them strong and maintain them. So here you can see in this hadith, there's an action of worship, which is action of ibadah, which is to keep the ties of kinship, keep, keep, keep them tied, keep them tied. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the Sharia we find that Allah has tied to it a worldly reward. Increase in risk and extension of one's uh, life. Likewise, in another hadith in, uh, pertaining to the rulings of uh, jihad, the Messenger وسلم, said that whoever killed someone, then to him belongs his, um, you know, the, 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 the booty. Whatever that, so if you, if, you, if you kill someone in, 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 in a battle, then whatever that person possessed that he has, for example, his weapons and anything else, then they belong to you. You, you can take them. Right? So, um, and any, anything else that he has with him, like, like wealth or whatever, anything that's on his possession. So, uh, so here you can see that for, this is an action of worship when, when, you, when, you, when you're fighting, but there's a worldly reward involved as well in which you know the, 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 the Sharia has allowed the person to take whatever weapons and other other things 
you know, that, uh, that, that this, the one being killed uh, used to possess. So, uh, so, in other words, in these actions of worship, what do we find? We find that the Sharia is encouraging an act of worship by mentioning certain worldly rewards. There are certain world, worldly rewards that have been tied to certain actions as an encouragement as an, uh, uh, to, towards uh, these actions uh, towards these actions. So therefore in the, in this category of actions, if a person intended a worldly reward or a worldly benefit, right so he, he, was, he was doing any of these actions and he intended a worldly benefit, this is permissible. And this is not considered to be arriya. It's not considered to be showing off. It's not considered to be doing an action for other than Allah's sake. Why? Because the Sharia itself has tied these benefits or these reward, these worldly rewards, with the action of worship uh, itself. And so, therefore, the Sheikh says that anyone, for example, who tied, who kept his family ties, uh, and he by by doing this he intends the face of Allah, obviously, but at the same time, he wants. His risk to be increased, you know, he wants his life to be extended. Uh, then, you know, this is this is fine. You know, this this, this is fine because the because the Sharia itself has encouraged, the, the, you know, this. And likewise, another person he strove in the path of Allah. He made jihad in the path of Allah. He did it for the sake of Allah, but he also wants to get the booty. He wants to, he wants booty. He wants to increase the booty. You know, the 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 the, the war booty. His intention is purely for the sake of Allah. He wants to make Allah's word uppermost. But he wants something else that the Sharia itself has also mentioned. And, you know, uh, as, as, as a reward. And, again, so this wouldn't be considered to be shirk in his intention. It wouldn't be considered to be ar-riya or whatever. Because the, because the legislator, uh, the Sharia itself has mentioned the, reward, the worldly reward regarding this. So, so the Shaykh then says. So this, this, so from this discussion, uh, we conclude that the actions of worship are divided into two types: those for which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the legislator, has mentioned a worldly reward, and those for which there there is no worldly reward mentioned at all. And the Shaykh then says, "There's an ayah. This is this is what we find." Uh, this is like what we find in the Quran. Uh, so, the, so the second type, those which which there is no worldly reward, Allah mentions a verse in the Quran: "Man kana yuridu dunya fiha fiha la This is a verse that speaks about those people who do actions, which are actions of the hereafter. Right? There's there's no worldly benefits in relation to those actions. But a person does them, but he seeks the worldly benefits by way of them right so a person wants to wants an increase in the world by way of those actions which should only be done for the hereafter so this verse is speaking about that category of action right and the shaykh then says this this particular i didn't sorry i forgot to mention the uh, translation of the verse the verse is whoever sought the life of this world and its glitter then we shall recompense them for the actions therein and they will not be uh, cheated or they will not be deprived of you know of anything and the meaning of this verse when we go back to the, to, to the books of tafsir it means that those people who do actions of righteousness 
and actions which are for the, for the hereafter, and they seek worldly benefit by way of them, then these people, Allah will, Allah will reward them for their actions, but in this life, and in the hereafter, there will be there will be nothing for them at all. Right? But this this verse is in relation to those types of worship for which Allah, of which the Sharia, does not mention any worldly benefit at all. The Sheikh says this is important because this is important for us to realize because a person who in the likes of these actions like for example keeping the ties of kinship or when he goes out on the struggles and thrives in the path of Allah then you know he he uh, you know he uh, his intention is for the sake of Allah and he wants an increase in risk and whatever there's an important there's an important issue which is um, which is which an important issue which is if there are two people a person for example who keeps the ties of kinship with his family and he intends only the phase of Allah nothing else and there's another person and he keeps the ties of kinship and he intends to seek the face of Allah and he intends alongside that to extend his life and to increase his provision. Are these two people the same in reward? This is, this is an issue that arises now. Are these people the same in their reward? And the, the answer is, obviously, none of these people, the, the second person isn't committing shirk and he isn't committing riya. But the issue is, is the reward for them the same? Both people are sincerely for the, uh, doing the action sincerely for the sake of Allah, but one person is seeking like a worldly uh, benefit in these types of actions. So, what is the answer to this? The answer is that the person whose niyyah is purely for the sake of Allah, his reward is obviously more and is greater. And this is why, when the Shaykh says that, when a number of scholars from the Salaf, such as Imam Ahmad, Rahimahullah and a group of others when they were asked the question about a person who goes out and he makes jihad and he does it in order to get the booty you know to seek the booty but his intention is purely for the sake of Allah and these scholars these scholars they replied and they said that this person's reward is to the same level of his niyyah to the same level of his niyyah his action itself isn't nullified, <coughs> his action isn't falsified, his action is correct, but <coughs> his reward is dependent upon the, the degree to which his niyyah is only for the sake of Allah. So this is what they said. So every time a person's niyyah, it increases and it's only for the sake of Allah, then the reward you know, will be will be greater. The action will be greater, and the reward will be uh, much more. And every time a person his niya for the world is increases. So remember, we're talking about these actions in which the Sharia has mentioned that there is a worldly benefit. So we're talking about these type of actions. So whenever whenever a person does these type of actions, and his niya is more for the sake of Allah and is stronger and stronger for the sake of Allah, his reward is more. And every time it's more, his niyyah for the, for the worldly aspect of it is more, then his reward is less. His reward is less in relation to somebody else, who's obviously, whose intention is stronger and more for the sake of Allah. 
So this is this is basically the explanation that the scholars uh, have given. And then the Shaykh moves on to the remaining part of the Hadith, which now is really an explanation of these two statements, right? So the two two statements in the Hadith: Now these two parts contain the foundations and the principles that we've been covering in this lesson and the previous lesson regarding the niyyah, what is the niyyah, what are the types of niyyah, you know, uh, the different types of actions and so forth. These are the principles that we've been looking at. Now in the hadith, the remaining part of the hadith is merely an explanation, an illustration of the uh, principle. So here the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa said, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ And the Shaykh comments and he says, Naturally this hadith, um, this hadith contains the, you know, the detailed speech about the niyyah and the fact that the niyyah enters into many of the uh, topics in relation to the actions of worship. And if we were to discuss this topic, it would become very, very, very long. Our discussion would be very, very, very long. And there have been many volumes and books that have been written on this subject. And there are many books of explanation that have been written on this hadith, which are very, very detailed and very, very long. But the Shaykh says that our, our intention here in this explanation is just really to mention the foundations and the principles that are in relation to this hadith um, which is what we really are intending to do in this book that's what the shaykh says and so in other words what the shaykh is saying that you know we could go in length and explain in length the rest of this hadith whatever but that's not what really the purpose of these lessons are the purpose is to give us the principles and the foundations that we can extract from these hadith and not necessarily go into an exhaustive explanation of every element and aspect of the hadith itself but in any case the messenger sallallahu said فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ to the end the shaykh says here the fa the letter fa فَمَنْ فَمَنْ كَانَتْ this is a fa which is tafsiliyah meaning that the fa is an, an it, it signifies and it means that what's coming next is an explanation of what's just come before so the messenger said, So two statements, and then he said, So this shows that the fa, the letter fa, it, it's an explanation of these two sentences, and an explanation that, that, that explains that anyone, or, or it's an illustration of an, exa- or, 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 of an action, which if it was done for the sake of Allah, and also for the sake for other than Allah, like for example hijrah, then you know wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, accepted. So in other words, the hadith is now giving an example of an action which is hijrah in order to illustrate the principle, to illustrate the uh, you know the, the 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 principle that the hadith is putting across. So so then uh, yeah, so so the hadith says whoever's hijrah was for the sake of Allah and His Messenger then his hijrah is indeed for Allah and his messenger. And the fa- part that follows this is, مَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَّ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ 
And anyone whose hijra was for the world, that he may acquire a portion of it, or for a woman that he wanted to marry, then his hijra is for whatever or is to whom, whomever he migrated towards. As for hijra itself, what is the meaning of hijra? Al-hijra, the word al-hijra itself, is its meaning is al-tark, al-tark, which means abandonment, to abandon something. And the hijra, <coughs> this hijra that we make to Allah and the Messenger, uh, what, it, what is its foundation? The foundation of this hijra is first of all, when we make hijra to Allah, the Mighty and Majestic, with ikhlas. Right? So, obviously there's the outward physical hijra that we make from one land to another land. But that's not where hijra starts. There the are levels of hijra. The asal or the foundation of this hijra is that when we migrate to Allah with ikhlas, with sincerity, and seeking what is with Him. Right? This is the foundation of the hijra. And likewise, we make hijra to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam by making ittiba of him, meaning that we make hijrah to him in the sense that we follow his sunnah and that we aspire towards whatever he came with, meaning uh, from the sunnah and from the effects, from the manifestations of this, so this hijrah is internal right, so we, we make hijrah to Allah by way of ikhlas and we make hijrah to the messenger وسلم, by seeking to obey him and, and follow his sunnah and then the outward effect of this and the manifestation of this is that we abandon, that we leave a land of shirk and go to a land of Islam. And this is why the Messenger ﷺ said, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ Meaning that the person who left a land of shirk and went to a land of Islam, meaning he went to Allah and went to the Messenger ﷺ. So his hijrah is to Allah and his mess and, 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 and to messenger to the messenger. And the Shaykh then explains uh, just a principle regarding the Arabic language about the repetition of uh, sentence. Because um, here the messenger said, "For man kanat hijratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi, for hijratuhu ilallahi wa rasulihi." That whosoever migration was to Allah and his messenger, his migration was to Allah and his messenger. It seems like a repetition. It's a repetition of the same sentence. So the Shaykh goes on to explain like a grammatical, I won't go into, into detail here, but basically what it means is that sometimes a sentence can be repeated, but the, the, the intent and the, 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 what is meant by each um, uh, repetition is something different. So for example, um, the first part, so what, to summarize the meaning, the first part, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Meaning, نِيَّةً وَقَصْدًا Meaning that whoever, whoever's migration was towards Allah and his messenger, niyyatan wa qasdan, meaning that in his niyyah and his intention, that's what he did, فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Then his hijrah is indeed to Allah and his messenger, meaning in terms of thawaban wa ajran, in terms of reward and recompense. So the first part, for the first sentence speaks of the intent of the person doing the action, and the repetition of the sentence, فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ The second time is in relation to the reward that the person uh, receives. Uh, and then, 
at the end, the second uh, person, وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لِدُنْيَا يُسِيبُهَا أَوْ إِمْرَأَةٍ يَنْكِهُهَا or in another wording, يَتَزَوَّجُهَا Then, like for example, a person, a trader, he leaves one land to another land because he wants to increase his wealth um, or he wants to you know, acquire a wife or whatever. Then this person, his, you know, his hijrah was only for the thing to which he, or for which he uh, migrated. And then, uh, so this, this proves also from this that, the, that a person who migrates, his action outwardly is the same as a person who migrates for the sake of Allah and his messenger, right? So for example, a person migrates for wealth, for trade, for a woman, and a person migrates for the sake of Allah. Outwardly, the actions appear exactly the same. They're exactly the same. But, uh, you know, uh, but in terms of the, the reward and the intention inside of is different, and obviously the reward will be different. The person who went for the sake of a woman, his, his intention is corrupt, and so therefore, uh, you know, he, he won't have any reward for that, and sometimes he might even have a burden of sin upon him for that as well. And finally, the hijrah itself, the hijrah, the outward hijrah that we are speaking of, uh, it can be, we said, it is a, a tarq, which means abandonment, and this can mean abandonment from a land of shirk to a land of Islam. Or it can mean abandonment from a place in which, which there is bid'ah or innovation, lots of innovation, people are away from the religion and they have these innovations, to a place of the sunnah, where the, where the sunnah is strong. Or it can be a third level, leaving a place where there are sins and evils which are open. And he moves uh, to another land or another place where the sins and the evils are actually less. They are less than, than the other place. And the Shaykh says that each of these three scenarios or situations, they all have their own rulings uh, in the various books of fiqh in more detail. But at this stage, obviously the Shaykh is just alluding to the principles. And that's the end of the explanation of the hadith. And uh, we'll close our lesson uh, here, inshallah. And that's, that's the end of uh, this first hadith. And just to summarize then that the Shaykh... That in this book or in this explanation, the Shaykh is not giving like an exhaustive, detailed explanation of every element of the hadith. It's just to help us to extract the underlying principles uh, and the foundations of the religion and of the, 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 the topic of each hadith so that we can obviously build like a nice framework and a nice um, understanding of these, you know, this is a very important uh, compilation of these uh, hadith. So we close our lesson here today inshallah and we'll continue with the next hadith, the, the, the famous and well-known hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam and his coming to, uh, you know, in order to teach the Muslim Muslims the affairs of their religion. So we'll inshallah make a start on that in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala.